Please remain standing. This morning I would like to direct your attention to two scripture readings. The first one comes from uh, Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Verses uh, 28 to 30. These verses will remind you who God is, especially the truth and the fact that God is Lord over all these storms of life. He controls everything and everything obeys to Him. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their dis- distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired heaven. Now our text this morning uh, comes from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6. Verse 16 to 21, as we continue making our journey through the Gospel of John, this morning we find ourselves in chapter 6, beginning from verse 16 to 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us us through your word this morning, Lord, we ask you to give us ears that would hear, minds that would understand, and hearts like you gave to your servant Mary, where she heard the word and treasured them in her heart. Help your people now to be like Mary, to treasure your word in their hearts and apply them in their daily Christian walk. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe some of you are familiar with this expression. God has one son without sin, but none without sorrow. God has one son without sin, but none without sorrow. Which means, into every life of a Christian, storm comes 
as Christians at some point in our journey here on earth. We will go through a storm of life. We are not immune from the sorrow, trials, and hardships of this life. As most of you are aware of, today there are so-called preachers who would give you a description of the Christian life as if Christians live in an amusement park or a shopping mall where everything is provided for you. No problem, no lack, no want. You just name it and claim it. And here you have it. You know, you don't, you don't see that in the scripture. Not only you don't see that in the scripture, but in every Christian's daily experience, that is not what happens. You and I go through all manners, all kinds of storms and trials in this life. You remember Paul and Barnabas. They were persecuted. They faced hostility from the enemies of the cross. And they were so bold to encourage the other disciples and believers around them in the book of Acts 14.22. And this is what they say to them. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying to them that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations or trials or storms we must enter the kingdom of God. You see Paul and Barnabas were telling the Christians the Christian life sometimes goes through hardship, through trials. What about our Lord Jesus Christ? What did he say about storms in the Christian life? In John 16, 33, John said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. Jesus said that after he told his disciples, very soon I am going to leave you. There will not be physical presence of the Son of God with you. I will go back to my Father. And then he told them, remember in the world you will have tribulation. Beloved, what we see in our text this morning, the disciples facing storm in the middle of the sea, is the confirmation of that reality in the Christian life. We see the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of life's storm. Yes, this happens because of the environment in which we all live. You all understand we live in this uh, fallen world, wicked world, under God's curse. And in this environment, of course, there is disease, there is disaster, there is earthquake because of where we live. 
But uh, storms like this, like what we see in our text, storms of life, also come to the Christian life when believers disobey or obey God. Keep that in your mind this morning. Storms like this would come to us from God when we disobey God or obey God. You remember the prophet Jonah. He found himself one time in the storm, in the sea. Why? Because he disobeyed God. It was actually God himself who sent the storm to the sea where Jonah was sailing. And Jonah was thrown into the belly of this huge fish in the storm. Why? Because he disobeyed God. So it is possible, you see, for God to send storm into our life to chastise us, to discipline, discipline us when we disobey him, when we disobey his word. But in here, in our text, we see our Lord Jesus Christ purposely sending the storm to his disciples as they were obeying his will. Remember, if you love God, if you love the gospel, if you love the truth of God, your faith will be tested by a storm. You will be tested. But why? Remember where we are in the Gospel of John. And what is the purpose of this book? Remember, the purpose of this book is for hearers, for the hearers, including us, to see at all the signs that Jesus was performing, to see at them, to, to consider them. And by seeing all the signs that Jesus was performing to believe that he is the Messiah and have eternal life in him. You find that at the end of the book of the Gospel of John, John 20, 30 and 31. But the problem, my friends, was the disciple still didn't get it. After seeing all the miracles, the turning of the water into wine, the cleansing of the temple, and no one stood uh, against Jesus. Everyone was speechless. Jesus was in control at the temple. Uh, the healing of the, the official son, the healing of the invalid, uh, lame man for 38 years in, in Bethesda, and the feeding of the multitude, about 20,000 people, with just five barley loaves and two fish. They didn't get it. They didn't see that Jesus was actually God. And he was the Lord and the maker of heaven and earth. God in the flesh. And yet Jesus had to command his disciples to go away from the crowd. Why? Remember what happened? The people, after they saw the, the miracle, 
Jesus multiplied uh, five loaves and two fish, and he fed the people. He gave them enough food, and they were satisfied. And after the people saw that, they came, they approached Jesus to make him king. They approached Jesus for earthly, earthly benefit. They, they didn't approach Jesus to make him a savior, to repent and have faith in him, but to make him a king so that he would overthrow Rome for them, to make him a hero, a political hero, not a savior of their soul. And Jesus immediately uh, commands his disciples, go away, go away. Why? Because Jesus was guarding his disciples from the influence of those people. See how he loved his disciples. It was as if Jesus was saying, I don't want you to be influenced by these people. Just go away. Go away from these people. And I will also go away. So we see in our text this morning, Jesus commanding his disciples to go to the sea and face a storm so that their faith might be tested and they see that he is God, he is the Lord of the storm. That was the purpose of the storm here, to test the faith of his disciples. And I want us to unfold that under three uh, leading points this morning. First, I want us to consider the command. Why, why did Jesus command his disciples to face a storm? Why? And secondly, the storm itself. And then the rescue. Let's think about the command first. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, when you read this, these verses in John 6, you might think that, uh, I don't think this is a command. It is a command. Because... The other gospel writers tells us that it was a command. Mark, Mark tells us uh, in, in Mark uh, chapter 6, uh, Mark tells us uh, Jesus actually made his disciples to go into the boat. Mark in chapter 6 tells us Jesus compelled his disciples to go into the, into the boat. It was a command. Already I told you that this was, uh, this was a command from, from Jesus to the disciples. He, per, he, he purposed, purposely sent them to the sea where they will encounter rough wind and storm. You see, there will be a time in your Christian life, my friends, that our Lord Jesus Christ will send you to some kind of storm as a believer, as a believer who is doing his will. When the disciples were compelled, commanded by Jesus to go into the boat, they obeyed. They obeyed the will of Christ. They were doing his will. 
But as they were doing his will, he allowed, he sent this storm to come upon them. Why? Why would Jesus send this storm to his disciples if they are obeying his will? Jesus is doing this to test their faith, to teach them who he is, and that they need to trust him as God, to give them the opportunity to show him that they are obeying his will, not to show their own strength. Do you see them, they, they, do you see them rowing? fighting against the wind, you don't see them praying. You don't see them crying to God for help. Yes? The Israelites in Psalm 107, they cried to God, to God because of their trouble and distress, and God uh, hushed the waters for them. You don't see the disciples doing that, do you? And secondly, Jesus tested their faith by the storm, because he wants to teach them that they don't have the strength and the ability to save themselves, even to earn their own salvation. They should utterly, completely depend on Christ for deliverance. You see the, the, the parallel with Psalm 107. The, the, the Israelites were in the storm. They saw the, red sea, the, the storm in the Red Sea and they cried to God for help. Knowing that God was the God of the storm. Jesus wanted his disciples to do that, to remember who he is. To remember what he has already done and how he showed them his deity. Him being God. Beloved, when you are tested by uh, any storm in life, you need to remind yourself that God is sovereign, Jesus is Lord over the storm of your life, and He's involved for some reason, somehow He's involved to teach you something. That should be a time for you to cry to God, to pray to God for help. Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 exhorts believers, Do not be anxious about anything, even a storm in life, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, when we are going through a storm in life, the first thing that we need is peace. It's not even money. It's not even health. Like immediately, we need peace, inner peace. And Paul here is telling, wherever you are, whatever storm you are facing, pray with thanksgiving. Make your anxiety, your burden, your concern to God Make it known to God in prayer. And the God of peace will give peace to your mind, your hearts, 
in Christ Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus wanted to see in the life of his disciples. Yes, they were facing the storm and the storm came upon them by the will of Christ. But that's why he commanded them to go to the storm. Now let's come to the storm. In verse 18. The sea became rough. Because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking on the sea. And coming near the boat. And they were were frightened. Now question to all of you. Where was Jesus? When the disciples were rowing against the, the storm, where was Jesus? You remember Jesus was on the mountain praying? But amazingly enough, this is what Mark tells us in Mark 6, 47 and 48. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea. He was alone praying the, uh, uh, on the land. And he saw, listen to this, he saw... That, that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Where was Jesus praying? What was he doing? Looking at the disciples. He saw their struggle. He saw them in the storm. What does this tell you? Even now, through whatever storm you're going in life, This morning, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of his Father, first is interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you, but he's also watching over you. Do you know that? His eyes are never off of you. Jesus saw them. He saw everything that was going on in the sea. Because he cares. The writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews 7.25 tells us, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God. Through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He lives his life in heaven to make intercession for his people. Beloved, you know your storm. You know what kind of storm. But he's watching over you. His eyes are on you. In Hebrews 13, 5, God gives us this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now some people, they take this promise as if God is telling them nothing uh, wrong is going to happen in their life. God will never leave them and forsake them to make sure that nothing bad happens to them. That's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is when you face storm, and by God's will, when he goes through all manners of storm, he will never leave you and never forsake you. He's always with you. He's always with you. You might not see his physical presence with you, but he is watching over you. 
Jesus really wanted his disciples to know that. We always say, you know, for, you know to one another, you know, you, you, you should do better in this. You should, you should know this. And, and Jesus wanted disciples to know this, to understand this, and to live and walk accordingly. And thirdly comes the rescue. The rescue. Listen to John here. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing when they had rowed about three or four miles. Do you know they were in the sea against the storm for six hours? All in all, nine hours. But six hours they were rowing against the wind. And they saw Jesus walking on the waters. Jesus, who was God, God in the flesh, was walking on, on the water. Beloved, listen to this carefully. The water that he created was under his feet. The waters were obeying to the master, to the Lord. Isn't that what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 27? For God, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his feet. All things. All things obeys Jesus, the Lord of the storm. Just picture that. Where was the water? Under his feet. And why is that? Because he's God. Because he's the Lord. You know, the waters had to obey him. So they were under his feet. No more threat. Let alone for Jesus, even for the disciples. He was in full control. Psalm 29, 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory uh, thunders over many waters. He is the Lord over the waters and the storms. This gives us a clear picture of the Lord of the storm. It's very interesting, you see. You remember the, the other time that they faced storm and wind in the sea. Jesus was with them in the boat. He was sleeping. You remember they came and they, they woke him up and they said, don't you care, we are perishing. He was there. Now he's not with them in person. No physical presence of Jesus. Not only that, it's also dark. So Jesus is not with them. It is dark. They saw Jesus walking on the water. And notice their response. They were frightened. They were frightened. Why? You would expect the disciples to say, Look, this is Jesus. Praise God. Maybe sing a hymn of praise. We would do that. You see, they would do that if they were here like us in the church. But it was dark. There was the storm. And they are seeing something that they have never seen before. Someone is walking on the water. 
First time. Listen to this carefully. Our faith, when it is going through darkness and storm, sometimes it will be shaken. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the promises in God's Word. That's why, beloved, you need to immerse in God's Word every day. That's why you need to sit under the feeding of God's Word every time it's opened and proclaim it to you so that your faith will not be fainted. Even seeing Jesus, you will not say, oh, this is a ghost. But this good Lord, gracious Savior, we don't see him saying to his disciples, I am really ashamed of you. I showed you many signs, and now I'm walking on the water, and you confused me with a ghost? Here ends your discipleship. I'm going to pick others. Like, no, recruit new disciples. That's not Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. This is the, the, the Hebrew uh, phrase translated into, into, into Greek, ego emi, which means I am. Exodus 3, Jesus was telling them, you remember what my father told Moses? I am who I am. It is I. This is God. This is the God of Exodus 3. Why are you afraid? I am God. And what does ego am means? What does I am means? I am means I exist. I am self-sufficient. I am all-powerful. The one that you see walking on the water, it is God. For that reason, you should not be afraid. Isn't that amazing, beloved? We don't see Jesus hushing the storm. Only his presence was enough. To create peace in the sea. Only his presence was enough. Because the next thing we see is we see Jesus and the disciples reaching the land. Jesus told them, I am. This is God, God in the flesh. Do not be afraid. Beloved, the one thing that we should learn from this is when we go through storms in life, may you, you will visit your doctor one time and your doctor will tell you, I'm sorry, you have, a, you have cancer and you have six months to live. Maybe you will receive a, you know, troubling news of one of your family members. Maybe your marriage will start falling apart. Some kind of storm. What do you do? 
How would you survive? How would you live out the Christian life? You remind yourself that you are in the storm, and in that storm, you need Jesus, and Jesus is right with you. Because remember what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 89, 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. That's yours in Christ Jesus. When storms of life rises up, not you, not your pastor, not your elders, but Jesus your Savior, who is God, will still the storm for you. Trust Him, because He's God. Amen. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, After feeding us by your word, once again showing us and reminding us who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh. Oh Lord, we ask you to grant us your Holy Spirit, to trust him, to believe in him as God, especially when we got through storms of this life. Oh Lord, help us not to be afraid, but to cast all our fear, all our doubts to Christ who always watches over us and still the waters for us. In his name we pray. Amen.